Adventures. This is the host of the Hootathunkin podcast, Zeb, coming at you with episode 159, titled Unit 731. I have a little bit of an announcement before we get to the recommendation segment, before we get to the main topic. This episode's main topic is dark, very dark. In this episode, Unit 731, I will be talking about torture, mutilation, and treatment of human beings as if they were quote-unquote logs. But all of this actually happened. And I think it is important for people to know about it. It's important to know that it happened. You've been warned. This is mature content. Viewer slash listener discretion is advised. Those of you in the blog, it's written there as well. Seriously, this is pretty dark. But before we get into that dark stuff, I do have a recommendation segment where I recommend you check something out that I've either interested in or have have uh, actually checked out already myself. Before I get into the main topic, I'd like to recommend something light and happy in contrast to how dark this episode is going to be. This week, I recommend you watch Kill Tony. It is a live comedy podcast that I've been obsessed with lately. It's very recently, only like the last week or two, I've binged the episodes. They're great. While I work, great thing to have in the background. The weekly live show recorded from uh, Austin, Texas, and The World with your host, Tony Hinchcliffe and Brett Brian Redband. <clears throat> it's hilarious. Tony, who's like a very good comedian. I've, I've seen him live. He opened up for uh, Joe Rogan. Tony has a live band, a couple of mics, and a live audience. He pulls names out of a bucket and gives whomever he pulls out 60 seconds of uninterrupted time on his, you know, world-connected, you know, world-huge podcast uh, to do a comedy stand-up routine. It's super ballsy, and I w- I'd be so nervous to do it. When the 60 seconds are up, Tony and usually a guest comedian interview the aspiring comedian that probably just bombed horribly on stage. Even the ones that do good, they're not like hilarious. It's sort of like eh, almost always nine times out of 10. It's awkward. It's horrible. It's not funny. Some of them, it's their first time ever trying stand up. Some have been trying to do it for like eight plus years. It's it's a mixed bag. Uh, the show's setup makes it that every episode is unique and enjoyable. If, if, if you like comedy, this is where comedy is made. This is the crucible of comedy, kind of. If, if the aspiring bucket comedian does well, which is rare, then great, everyone laughs. But if the aspiring bucket comedian does poorly, uh, that's the usual outcome, Tony and the guest com- comedian and Brian Redband, they're like tech guy, uh, they rip into them. They just <laughs> roast them. It's hilarious. So everyone laughs at that as well. It's a good podcast, and I hope you uh, check it out. Now for the main event. Wikipedia's first paragraph intro, when you just type in Google unit 730, 731-731, also uh, short for Manchu Detachment 731, also known as the Camo Detachment or the Ishi Unit, was a covert biological and chemical warfare research and development unit of the Imperial Japanese Army that engaged in lethal human experimentation and biological weapons manufacturing during the Second Sino-Japanese War from 1937 to 1945 and World War II, it was based in the Pingfang district of Harbin, the largest city in the Japanese puppet state of Manchukuo, uh, now northeast China, and had active branches, branch offices throughout China and Southeast Asia. Special thanks to uh, allthatsinteresting.com as the main source for this episode, the paragraph, intro paragraph I just read to you is from Wikipedia. Wikipedia, I know it gets a bad rap, but if you want to learn a little bit about a lot of different things, Wikipedia is great. They have great intros. That's, I like using them for that. I do have images on the blog that are quite horrific, so beware. I've talked about World War II quite a bit on this podcast, a bunch of different topics, 
And it's important to know just how much suffering came out of the largest war this planet has ever seen. It killed about 3% of the world's population at the time. War is hell. It's a quote from General William Tecumseh Sherman, a leader of the Union Army in the Civil War. I've also quoted that before. It's a great quote. Three words says a lot. No part of World War II lasted longer than the Pacific Theater, from Japan's attack on Manchuria in 1931 to September 2nd, 1945, when Japan officially surrendered to the United States. That was the longest part of World War II. Japan's invasion of China in 1937 drastically changed the country. It created a civil war. Famine, estimated 3.9 million Chinese, mostly civilian, perished as a direct result of that invasion. In the end, 10.2 million Chinese died until the Soviets stepped in to liberate China in 1945. During this genocide and mass rape of China, a biological warfare unit simply known as Unit 731 managed to stand out as even more cruel and brutal than what was already happening around them. What started out as a truly beneficial public health research agency eventually became a human disease factory. The diseases that were cultivated in Unit 731 had the ability to wipe out all human life, all of it. And how did they create such biological weapons? A virtually endless supply of human test subjects they saw as nothing more than quote-unquote logs. Japan started its biological weapons program in the 1930s, partly because of biological weapons were banned by the Geneva Convention of 1925. They reasoned that the ban verified its effectiveness as a weapon. Japan's occupation of Manchuria began in 1931 after the Japanese invasion of Manchuria. Japan decided to build Unit 7031 in Manchuria because the occupation not only gave the Japanese an advantage of separating the research station from their island, but also gave them access to as many Chinese individuals as they wanted for use as human experimental subjects. They viewed the Chinese as no-cost research subjects and hoped that they could use this advantage to lead the world in biological warfare. The majority of research subjects were Chinese, but many were different nationalities. This is another warning, uh, because that's a general overview. The, the topics I'm about to discuss include rape, mutilation, and some of the most vile treatment of human beings. Please, if you don't want to hear about the, those sort of things, just turn off the podcast episode now. Here are some of the worst experiments carried out by Unit 731. They are some of the most horrific war crimes ever committed, and they basically receive no punishment for them. Rape was common in Imperial Japan's expanse across the Pacific Theater, until uh, Unit 731 was no exception. But instead of the bestial lust-driven rape common amongst Japan's combat units, Unit 731 used rape as a tool to further their understanding of biological warfare. If a female captive was the right age to become pregnant, the beings, I, I, I call them humans for the rest of the podcast, but I... The entities operating Unit 7031, which were men, would have her forcibly impregnated. And a, a pregnant human guinea pig was more uh, has more potential for insight into biological weapons effectiveness than a regular human that's not pregnant. After the female captive was pregnant, they would be intentionally infected with various diseases, have parts of their bodies crushed, shot, exposed to chemical weapons, and beaten. After this abysmal suffering... The mother would be dissected and the fetus would be examined to see what that did to the fetus. These experiments seem to have drastically improved the medicine for pregnant women after the war. 
the means do not justify the ends, but I, it, it's kind of, it's cruelly and brutally ironic how that works. Similar things happened from the Nazi concentration camps experiments that Dr. Mangala did to his victims also did improve modern medicine um, in some ways. Unit 731 is no exception there. It's horrible, but uh, documentation of the experiments were destroyed before Unit 7031 was shut down. However, the witness accounts say it happened, and the innovations in healthcare for pregnant women that came out of Manchuria support witnesses' claims. And one part of Unit 7031 was known as Maruta. Their job was to study the effects of disease and injury on enemy combat units. At first, they took volunteers from the Imperial Army for non-lethal diseases that could be easily observed externally. But as the Maruta team wanted to study more harmful diseases and injuries, as the volunteers and and as the volunteers started to show up, uh, not to show up and started to dry up, the to be butchered and infected, they changed tactics. No longer, no more volunteers. Maruta is Japanese for log. This team was known as Log Maruta because that's what they started to call their, they were the first ones to start calling their subjects, their victims, logs. This unit started using POWs for their research subjects and therefore no longer had to ask for consent. They no longer used any semblance of ethical restraint on their subjects. Vivisection is a word that I didn't know before. Uh, it's defined as a, a surgery conducted for experimental purposes on a living organism, typically animals, with a central nervous system to view living internal structure. The Maruta team didn't use anesthesia as they vivisected living victims. Mostly Chinese civilians were infected with cholera and the Black Plague. Then their organs would be removed before they died. This gave Unit 7031 the best insight into the effects of each disease as the organs wouldn't have started to decompose at all, as opposed to what if they infected someone, let them die, and then examined them. Doing it as they were alive, vivisecting them, gave more medical insight. Other than disease, Maruta team would amputate limbs and sew them back onto other parts of the body to see what would happen. All while the victim was alive and without any sort of pain management. Other victims would have parts of their bodies crushed, frozen, and or circulation cut off to see how gangrene works on the body. When a, victim, when a victim's body or log, as they were referred to by the Japanese, could no longer provide any insight, they were shot, or sometimes they didn't even bother uh, burying the POWs alive. Not a single Chinese, Mongolian, Korean, or Russian prisoner sent to Unit 7031 left alive. None of them. Not a single one. A fun topic to talk about, but it's interesting to see how it what it does to history. From these horrific things, medicine improved greatly. It's, it's kind of a kind of a, a horrible mind somersault to do when you think of it that way. There was a special interest in hypothermia at Unit Seventy Thirty One. A man known as Yoshimura Hisato preferred to study what extreme cold did to limb injuries. He would take POWs and force their limbs into freezing water until the flesh was solid, like a rock. Yoshimura would inspect the frozen limb by striking it with something solid. Unless the limb sounded like you were striking lumber, solid wood, 
the limb would go right back into the ice bath until it did. He would then rapid warm the, the frozen limbs in different ways to see if he could get it to be functional again. He would pour hot water on him t- on the frozen limb. He would also sit the victim next to an open fire or simply let it go over time and see what would happen that way. Obviously, every single time the limb was dead and great pain or death came to the victim. To optimize Japan's fighting forces, Unit 7031 was tasked with te- testing various weapons on living targets. There were many instances of lining POWs up on firing ranges and testing every firearm they could get. Every kind of different rifle, pistol, everything. Unit 7731 measured and documented the wound patterns and depths of dead and dying victims. So even if the person who was shot wasn't dead yet, didn't matter. Start even better, actually, for the people trying to figure it out. Measure the depth and the wound pattern. Bayonets, swords, knives, and flamethrowers, gas chambers, nerve gas, blister agents were used on bound subjects. There is uh, photographic evidence of this. This is not speculative. I w- that, that This definitely happened. I have a picture of it on the blog. <laughs> it's horrible. The military wanted to know the effectiveness of flamethrowers or nerve gas on clothed victims as opposed to bare skin. So they did both. They dropped heavy objects to see how the human body is crushed. What happens when you drop a huge rock on someone from a high place? Questions you and I don't think about. If we do, it's one of those, what do they call them, intrusive thoughts that you think about, like, oh my gosh, let that go. You know, I, I, my wife's a therapist. I hear about intrusive thoughts a lot. We all get them. I I have one where you, you, I went to the uh, Grand Canyon I think this is the first intrusive thought I could ever remember. Went to the Grand Canyon as a little kid, and I thought, what happens if I just walk off of it? I was like, oh, that's terrifying, and I got farther away from the edge. That's a normal response to an intrusive like thought where you're like, holy crap, here's the worst case scenario of what reality could be right now, and here's what I can do to prevent it, and just glad I didn't do that. That's an intrusive thought. Apparently, almost everyone gets them, things like that. Well... Unit 731 had these thoughts and just acted them out because they didn't see their test subjects as people. They saw them as logs. They deprived inmates of food or water to see what would happen to the bodies, to see how long it would take for them to die. They made some subjects only drink seawater until death, which just dehydrated them to a point they were nothing. They injected animal blood into victims to see how the the clotting would be different in their veins. The invention of the x-ray was in 1895, not even, you know, about about a half century before this, and long-term effects not fully known to the public at the time. So Unit 7031 exposed thousands to way too much x-ray and were sterilized or killed from it, those thousands of people. The x-ray is a complicated procedure. You have to go to a lot of school. My aunt, she's an x-ray tech, I think, I think, and, uh, you know, soldiers of a military unit might not know how to use one so often the plates weren't calibrated correctly and victims were burned to death on the table to see what the human body could endure in terms of g-force that's gravitational force if you've ever been on a roller coaster or something like that they wanted to see what that would do to the human body this would benefit the imperial air force unit 7031 spend people at forces that were unhurt that are like unheard of today you, you would never do this in an experiment at around 10 to 15 g subjects lost consciousness and died and they were able to find an insight that the younger the child the less g force they can take before dying 
things that you know if you google it how much can it how much can a human body endure of this or this or this or this or this a lot of the results that you'll find come from crap like this sadistic evil people that were really good at keeping records of what they did the imperial military was having a major problem with stds as it raped its way across asia i'm not making that up if i mean there was a lot of heinous crimes on all sides by all parties in World War II. But Japan is known for doing the most raping. So they had a lot of STDs. So Unit 731 was tasked with learning more about venereal diseases, especially syphilis. Doctors infected POWs with syphilis and simply just didn't treat them. They withheld treatment to see what would happen. Syphilis can be fatal. It, it damages the internal organs until you die. It's a horrible way to go if untreated. Male inmates infected with syphilis would be forced to rape both female and male inmates to spread the disease. If it didn't take on the first try or second try or whatever, they were forced to rape until the victim showed signs of having syphilis. That was just the most cost-effective way to spread the syphilis. Great. And to see how it's transmitted and how quickly it's transmitted. The end goal of all this for the imperial and for Imperial Japan, was to have Unit 7031 develop um, biological weapons against their enemies, such as the Allies and the Soviet forces. They used tens of thousands of prisoners to weaponize lethal pathogens like, yeah, I'm going to try this, this is Latin, Yersinia pestis, that's the bubonic or pneumonic plague, and typhus. The thought was to drop these on enemy populations and to like thin out their numbers, cause chaos. Read directly from allthingsinteresting.com. To breed the most lethal strains possible, doctors monitored patients for rapid onset of symptoms and quick progression victims who pulled through or shot. But those who got sickest fastest were bled to death in a mortuary table, and their blood was used to transfect other captives, the sickest of whom would, would the, themselves be bled to transfer the most virulent strain to yet another generation. One member of Unit 7031 later recalled that very sick and unresisting captives would be laid out on the slab so a line could be inserted into their car or carotid artery. When most of the blood had been siphoned off and the heart was too weak to pump anymore, an officer in the leather boots climbed onto the table and jumped on the victim's chest with enough force to crush the rib cage whereupon another dollop of blood would spurt into the container. When the plague bacillus had been bred to what was felt to be a sufficiently lethal caliber, the last generation of victims to be infected were exposed to huge numbers of fleas. That's the pestis part of the Latin name. Preferred vector of contagion. The fleas were then packed into dust and sealed inside clay bomb casings. On October 1940, the Japanese Air Force dropped casings filled with those fleas that All Things Interesting was talking about. And then these fleas had sucked that blood from dying diseased prisoners over a Chinese village known as Kuozu. Probably didn't pronounce that right. We're going we're gonna to call it Kuzu. They dropped these, uh, th these like super... These fleas with like super lethal bubonic plague over a village. Those who were there, we have eyewitness accounts, saw red mist descend upon them and then flee, feeling flea bites all over. Everyone was getting bit. 
2,000 died in Kuzu from the plague. 1,000 died in the next town over after it was brought there from commuters from Kuzu. 6,000 people died from the Japanese dropping anthrax on them. Plans were found that outlined Japan's intent to do the same to the U.S. towns. But in 1945, we dropped Fat Man and Little Boy on those sons of bitches on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. The Soviets invaded Manchuria, destroying the Japanese army. And Emperor Hirohito gave his surrender speech in August of 1945. Unit 731 was no more somewhere in between all those events. Unit 7031 was responsible for some of the most notorious war crimes committed by the Japanese armed forces. It routinely conducted tests on people who were dehumanized and internally referred to as logs. Experiments included disease infections, controlled dehydration, hypobaric chamber experiments, biological weapons testing, vivisection, amputation, and standard weapons testing. Victims included not only kidnapped men, women, including pregnant pregnant women and children, but also babies born from systemic rape perpetrated by the staff inside the compound. The victims came from different nationalities, with the majority being Chinese and a, a significant minority being Russian. Additionally, Unit 731 produced biological weapons that were used in areas of China not occupied by Japanese forces, which included Chinese cities and towns, water sources, and fields. Estimates estimates of those killed by Unit 7031 and its related programs range up to half a million people, and none of the inmates survived. It was officially known as the Epidemic Prevention and Water Purification Department of the Kwangtung Army. Originally set up by the uh, Ken Pentai Military Police of the Empire of Japan, Unit 7031 was taken over and commanded until the end of the war by General Shiro Ishii, a combat medic officer in the Kwantung Army. The facility itself was built in 1935 as a replacement for the Zongma Fortress, and Ishii and his team used it to expand their capabilities. The program received generous support from the Japanese government until the end of the war in 1945. Until 19, or, uh, Unit 731 and the other units of the Epidemic Prevention and Water Purification Department operated biological weapon production, testing, de deployment, and uh, storage facilities. While Unit 731 researchers arrested by Soviet forces were tried at the December 1949 uh, Khabarovsk war crime trials, those captured by the United States were secretly given immunity in exchange for the data gathered during their human experiments. The United States covered up the human experimentations and handed stipends to the perpetrators. The Americans co-opted the researchers' bioweapons information and experience for use in their own biological warfare program, much like what had been done with German researchers in Operation Paperclip. Its records were mostly burned, destroying any useful information the team had managed to generate in 13 years of research. Researchers mostly slipped back into civilian life in occupied Japan as if nothing had ever happened, many of them becoming prominent members of university faculty. To this day, Japan has not apologized for and China has not forgiven the countless atrocities Japanese forces in, uh, visited upon China between 1931 and 1945. At the last, as the last witnesses of this history 
grow old and die, it's possible that the matter will never be addressed again or properly. So there you go. Fun little topic. I was, um, I heard about this from a subreddit. Also, I believe my friend Travis told me to look into it. But I saw a meme that said, uh, you know, Imperial Japan's the reason why we know that humans are 72% water. And I was like, what is that? I read the comments. The Japanese induct, uh, abducted, this is from a uh, Reddit user, Candied Love Apple. <laughs> the Japanese in, in abducted Chinese civilians, put them into a heat chamber, and blasted them with hot air until they had the consistency of jerky. And then they cross-referenced the amount of evaporated and collected water with the mass of the corpse before and after being tortured to death. So that's another little side experiment I learned about. There's some other comments on here. It's it's, But I, I, I'm not going to read them all. If you want to check them out, check them out on the blog. It's horrible. Horrible. I, so many stories of all these horrible things that happened in World War II. This is one of the worst. So, yeah. <laughs> I am going to end it on that. I, I do think it's important we know about this kind of stuff. I that's that that last little paragraph is really what maybe a couple of times I'm like I don't think I should do something that dark with Huda Thunkett, um, even though I I cover whatever I want to cover. Um, the last one, the, the fact that the last people who witnessed this are growing old and they're dying now. Not many, not much documentation came out of this. They tried to destroy as much as they could, as a lot of the Nazis did as well. They couldn't destroy everything, as the Nazis couldn't either. So we do know about it, but yeah. Now you do too. <laughs> I think it's important to know that stuff. And that being said, I kept saying Imperial Japan. The country is so different now. They have a completely different government structure. And I love Japanese culture today, but you know, I also love my own country, America. But we've also done some pretty horrible stuff too. The past doesn't define us, but it also should never be forgotten. Thanks for listening, Huda Thunkers. Until next week.